0: To another episode of the Hootat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 172. Do you remember the 21st night? We're recording. Uh, September. We are. Re- I don't know. We might just might have to edit that out so we don't get hit by copyright. I think it we're. I think we're fine. We're under 30 seconds. Yeah. But that's when we're recording we gotta, this. Um, got
1: to send it to Ryan though.
0: Exactly. You're we got to right. leave yeah. it in for Ryan. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so as with me as always, you heard their voices, Dave and Fredo. How are you doing, guys? Doing well. Doing good. Do, yeah, you, no, do you I, I have a question for you do you have time to listen to learn about our lord and savior ezra bridger ezra bridger <laughs>
1: <laughs> we now have two Jesuses.
0: right we we, <laughs> we have we have we have the we have the jesus that western cultures have depicted you know and then what probably jesus probably actually kind of looked like but anyway <laughs> um so anyway no it was just funny when when that yeah we'll talk about when we hit the because we're talking to soka tonight we're going to be talking about the episode far far away um another is just really pretty good episode um nothing really big i mean as far as action happened but oh my god there was just a lot of it was like head on a swivel episode so uh,
2: a lot of the payoffs finally came this week.
0: But, uh, well, talk about – however, before we dive into that, um, we do have to talk a little bit. Uh, since the first time in 2013, the Saints are 2-0. Um, and uh, so that's good. And uh, at least our kicker keeps kicking the, the field goals. And then the people we send to Denver keep uh, losing games for Sean Payton. So, <laughs> yeah. works Works pretty, pretty well for us yeah i have one i think maybe i maybe i said last week or maybe i didn't but one of my product managers he we were in a meeting and he came on he said aaron you can have your coach back I said, i didn't know you're a denver fan he's like yeah sadly i was like no we don't want him back because the refs just follow him wherever he goes so um it's like
1: uh... like, a state patrolman like following people of color around (laughs) yeah it's just like no it's no good
2: yeah, Sean is Jean Valjean, and I forget what the name of the guy Javert. chasing. Yeah, Jean yeah, that—that's—that's uh—that's how much i to call it. Uh, the commissioner, Roger forget That's funny. He'll never let it go. Um.
0: So anyway, no, like I said, you know, hey, we're off and running. Um. You know, it's defense it's
2: is playing amazing. That's what matters. It Hasn't
0: been pretty, but you know, it's. I mean, this is all. If we can stay on the right side of the injury front, and um. I think we're, we're going to be okay. Cause Russ is going to come off. We're going to get Alvin back. We lost Marcus May for what? Three games. So, eh. but anyway, it's been fun watching. So
1: anyway, all right.
0: Well, nothing more to say there. I don't want to jinx anything. So,
1: um,
0: <laughs> I did also on a little bit of news. Um, if you're in the new Orleans area, um, which probably you are, um, fan expo new orleans has started to introduce uh, or to announce guests and today they announced danny treo is going to be um at he's going to be at fan expo new orleans which is usually in january i believe i can't remember what the exact date is um then i got to it's wonder it's
1: earlier I... than you want it to be that's yeah. what i
0: remember it's like new year's hits and then like uh, two days later it's like something. it's like almost it seems like it's on yeah. 12th night i don't know i want to say yeah. it's like january
2: January 5th through the 7th. All right. 12th night, you're right.
0: So, okay. Um, You know, and then I was wondering, do I have any Book of Boba Fett things that he could sign? But, uh, because that's what I would have. I just like Star Wars. A Rancor, right? I I do have a Rancor. I could have him sign the Rancor. That'd be awkward. Um, (laughs) But anyway, we'll see. So maybe we'll just keep on announcing who's going to come. I hope there's a lot of Star Wars uh, stuff. So... Uh, yeah, you got you got
2: Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lantern, James Arnold Taylor. And they're all coming. So oh really? They, so your... they
0: they announced more? Did they? You you have the yeah. list in front of you, Fredo?
2: I got okay. So yeah, they got from the website. So Danny Trejo. So from Star Wars, you got Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lantern, James Arnold Taylor, who are Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi Wan. Got their Wars. autographs
0: this past year. Yep.
2: Yep. Uh, you got Billy West coming, aka Fry. Uh, you got David Nader, who is, among other things, he's the voice of uh, Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, Charles Martinet, who's the voice of uh, Mario. Uh, bunch of other, let me see, who else? Uh, former bunch of former other...
1: voice of Mario.
2: That is true, that is true, he retired. A yeah. uh, whole bunch of comic creators, including Jim Shooter, who, uh, if you don't know, that's one of those guys from like the 70s who created a lot of the comic books here. A fan of now and uh, other attractions and guests coming too, and hopefully, I'll announce a few more.
0: I'll announce more. I, you know, this past year, uh, Katie Sackoff was supposed to be there and then couldn't make it, so I'm hoping that maybe she'll make her way back. Um,
2: yeah, it's interesting that it happened so early in the year because no offense, but I would have thought you know, pushing it a little bit later, but then maybe that gives it a little bit of a thing. It's like it is the first major fan event you know of the season well and if you try to do it any later you might we, conflict with other stuff happening
0: but we are all we are all living in this city that we know dang well that if they don't do it if i mean that's probably the weekend they need to do it because if they do anything later than that then they're going to be getting into carnival stuff which is going to hurt um attendance and then after carnival it's you're going to be dealing with festival season and then heat so um yeah yeah and with an
2: early carnival this year you really don't have much room to play with
0: well we'll we'll keep you informed on who's all coming so right now we're already up to uh some good star wars stuff so um all right well let's start with, let's get in some trivia here da, 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 da. all right so fredo to start with you who commands the ground troops in Darth Vader's fleets? Not fleets, fleet, sorry. Who commands the ground troops in Darth Vader's fleet?
2: Ooh, now I got a picture in my head. I also know he he's a villain in a couple of other properties that we've met. Uh, General Veers.
0: It is General Veers. I don't even have to look. Yes. yes. Yeah, I,
2: I, I was talking to that so I was trying to play the name in my head, but yeah, AKA Donovan from the last crusade, AKA Grandmaster Faisal. Well, you know, and, and, and
0: what's also funny is the guy who played Admiral Ozl um, mm-hmm. played Hitler in the last crusade. Mm-hmm. And Amazing. so yeah, crossovers. And I love, I love the little meme that said, what if, in the Indiana Jones uh, saga is the dream that Han Solo was having when he was frozen in carbonite.
1: That'd be funny.
0: That's a, anyway. Uh, and I ask too? Like, do you
1: guys follow Veers Watch on uh, on Twitter? No, uh-uh. no. It's very funny. It's is basically has General Veers made his triumphant return yet? And the answer is invariably no. You know, the
0: other, the other good Twitter uh, follow was always Death Star PR. Yeah, they were pretty good. Too. That was always good. They've been quiet for a long time, though. Um, all right, Dave, to you. What group, in addition to the Chancellor and Anakin, does Palpatine fear the Jedi will kill once they hear of Mace Windu's death? What group, in addition to the Chancellor and Anakin, does Palpatine fear the Jedi will kill Once they hear of Mace Windu's death. Uh, The Senate. That's what I, yeah, that stumped me for a second. It is. It's the senators. Yeah. 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 Gaslighting in the Star Wars. uh, What kind of, anyway.
1: It's like, I
0: agree with you. They will go for the senators next. All right. My question. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask this and then you guys are going to have to answer, but wrong answers only. Wrong answers only. What is Greedo's occupation? (laughs) Wrong answers only now. What is Greedo's uh, occupation?
2: uh, Walmart Greedo. Gumball salesman. salesman.
0: Gumball salesman? Yeah. I was going to say insurance salesman. Um, But he is a bounty hunter. All right, cool. All right, well, I'll put that away. You know, a brief aside
1: here, because we were talking about Anakin, um, I wanted to shout out Christensen again for his performance in this series um, because I went back and I rewatched the last two episodes and um, we talked about how he married his original performance with that that we saw in The Clone Wars. Um, He's also channeling James Earl Jones. At at various points in that, he 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 falls into that formality and that rigidness, which I think a lot of people. I, I think that came from his. Some of that was his intent and his original performance, and why he came off as so wooden. Um, a lot of that was direction and writing, but I think he was trying to play it as though he were James Earl Jones delivering those lines um, at times, and. You really see it in a couple of places here. I mean, it's it it has to be intentional, and I I think I think it was really really kind of fun that he did that.
2: Yeah, I think he even made made that comment in some of uh, some of the analysis, some of the stuff that's been done. But yeah, he was really looking towards the cadence, the rhythm that uh that James Earl Jones set for Vader in order to add mm-hmm. to, to the speech patterns as Anakin, so that it felt natural. And it makes sense. I mean, it's it should work that way. I mean, it's the way it should be because, you know, we're supposed to believe that this character just transitioned from one to the other in terms of uh, uh, post Mustafar. So, yeah. But no, yeah, uh, yeah. Hayden Christensen just has
0: been wonderful to
2: see in action over the last few months
0: as he's come back to the role. Well, I also saw a uh, little. I can't remember. It was either on Facebook or on Instagram or something, but they're like, you know, um, in in the last year, you had um, three or last, yeah, but the last last couple of years, you had three Star Wars stars that just took endless uh, internet vitriol. Um, in Hayden Christensen, Daisy Ridley and Ahmed Best and all three, you know, with Ahmed Best in the Mandalorian with Hayden Christensen in Obi-Wan Kenobi and um, Ahsoka and then, um, uh, Daisy Ridley getting that ovation for the announcement Mm -hmm. of being in the new movie that may or may not come who knows, (laughs) but, uh, it is kind of cool that there's that a little bit of, uh, um yeah they're getting they're getting their due so and i think first of all i need
1: jake lloyd and uh, kelly marie tran now to uh, get their flowers
0: yeah true that is very true but yeah i agree i thought i thought the anakin i said last week the anakin uh portrayal spot on and i will say i say i've said it again i've said a thousand times on this show um if, you, if you're one of those people who didn't like the Anakin character in the sequel trilogy, or in the—I'm sorry—in the prequel trilogy, watch Clone Wars, and you will like the Anakin Skywalker character, and his turn to the dark side will make more sense. And I you know, so anyway.
2: But also, if you didn't like this portrayal, or you didn't like the character in those movies, he did his job good. Then, because I think in a certain <laughs> element, you're supposed to no, be I, like. I didn't
0: like it, uh-huh. I, I didn't like it just because of the way it was portrayed and, and written. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, it's, uh-huh. um, I, so I will put most of the blame on George Lucas on that one. Oh, yeah. No, Blasphemy, no, no, I know, no. but. Uh, uh, I've
1: always felt that some of the um, awkwardness that came along wasn't, well, I mean, all, mo- most of it was intentional it's just a question of, does it work for the audience? Um, like these sorts of decisions were things that they intended to do. Um, the, the awkward back and forth with Obi-Wan and attack of the clones. Um, some of the, you know, lovey dovey stuff with Padme, um, the, the formality where he talks like he actually has the suit on and when he doesn't yet. Um, again, these are all intentional choices. It's just, I think for some people, they really didn't work. Um, but again, neither here nor there at this point, we're, we're past that. I think we're, we're at a point where we can appreciate what he's giving us now, um, and be happy for him and, and happy that the fan base has embraced him more so now.
0: Yeah. All right. So with that, um, let's, uh, let's head into uh the newest uh ahsoka episode because we didn't have really much news um there was a rumor i don't think we need to talk about a rumor because it's really not Not an exciting rumor rumor. (laughs) so um but uh uh so we had episode this is episode six far far away say that right paridia the 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 entire time um the exception of the opening where we had uh, uh ahsoka and Huyang yang in the ship in hyperspace uh, but we spent a lot of time with the baddies um, we got to see Thrawn. we got to see crap load of weird stormtroopers we got to see night sisters we got to see ezra bridger and the crab people um we uh uh it was it was like I said head on a swivel um just overall uh again not getting into too many specifics but overall did did you feel like um they they keep ramping the story up or did you feel it was a lull because it was not action packed but it was filled with a lot of cool stuff but um I don't know where where how'd, how'd you feel about this episode overall Dave'll we'll start with you
1: no, I liked it I um you know I, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, yesterday who who said that he liked it more than he liked the previous episode um and i'd be curious if there were a lot of people that felt that way as well um for me personally uh, i i don't know one a one b they're both really really good um for different reasons and and I, I i don't need everything to be action-packed um and i don't need like some big mystery box either um in this sort of falls somewhere in the middle of those two things i think we have a fairly decent handle on where things are going now um that's not to say that we don't have a lot of questions uh, still but i think big picture wise we can see where this is headed um well but so I wanna... there's still drama to be had in that
0: yeah and, and exactly and i want to I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go next because i'm gonna take it from that point and because I agree because I'm thinking two episodes left and we just got Thrawn, and we just got Ezra and I mean kids nothing is going to happen big with Grand Admiral Thrawn at least there's not going to be a big resolution Um, because I I mean by all accounts he's going to be the big bad in Filoni's movie and that would make sense you need to set him up as a threat, remind people that he's a threat, or introduce him to people as a threat. And I think there's this is going to be kind of an um, a new hope type ending where you know you'll have the feel good, you know, reunited type of things for the good guys, and the bad guys are going to slip off to go, you know, plot their you know their big attack. So I think there's going to be elements where this is going to feel like, yeah, okay, we closed the loop on a story, but we left the door open to continue it.
2: Yeah, just uh, on overall terms with the episode, I really enjoyed it a great deal. It it shows the the strength of the characters that you could have maybe just one little action moment and you're always uh, engaged. And I think that's one of the things that... That this episode really brought to the forefront. I'll mention later down the line about something else. But uh I really felt that this episode really hinged on the relationships that we've seen built across the previous five episodes, the characters as we know them, and the way in which achieving the goals that they've been effective. Remember, for Morgan, for Balin, for Shin, this has been a quest to get to Thrawn. And okay, they get there and now it's a question of, is it everything you hoped for? Is this what you wanted? How that that has a dynamic shifting now when you've achieved your goal, but it may not be the way that you thought it's gonna turn out. And so I think like I said, thousands of of you, I enjoyed it tremendously, it was really engaging. It creates all sorts of interesting possibilities for where the story is gonna go for these characters. Uh, I love that there's a lot that's left unsaid across the board, whether it's Thrawn, whether it's the great mothers, whether it's Balin, whether it's uh, Sabine, they're all or even Ahsoka and who, who doesn't who isn't really hundred percent honest with Hu Yang at that at the start of the episode. And Hu Yang knows it. So but it's it's that's an interesting dynamic. But overall strong episode
0: so we'll, we'll jump to that keep that thought fresh fredo because we're going to jump to that right away after i give i mean overall i i really dug this episode i will say mm-hmm. however this of of the six that we've gotten so far this is not one that i wanted to instantly go and actually instantly go and watch a second time there were bits and pieces that i wanted to see again i will say that there's there like so there are bits and pieces it didn't mean it was bad but this one didn't have that immediate, I've got to watch this episode again. Um, but yeah, but I mean, but if that being said, the effects again, it, I have not seen anything where it seems like they are, you know, saving their, pinching their pennies or anything like that. It all looks very good. Um, and, and like. Maybe the-
2: one moment or two where you can kind of tell, okay, you may be in the volume here, but you're right. If, whether it was the grant, the reveal, the chimera, more Viridia as an uh, environment, the characters, the various alien creatures. Israel, I mean, put it this way, if if people didn't leave that episode wanting their own plushy howler at the end, <laughs> I, Star Wars is not doing something right. Uh,
0: and, we, and we will get to that in a second uh, when, we, when mm-hmm. we get down there uh, a little bit later, right before we find Ezra. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Um, because that's a very good place to start. Um, Hu Yang and uh, Ahsoka telling stories in the cockpit. Um Fredo, you started talking about that. You said she was not quite honest. What do you what are you talking about?
2: Because it's interesting because uh Huyang asks her about what he saw what she Ahsoka saw through the force regarding Sabine's choice to go willingly with Balin and Morgan to go get um uh, in her mind, to get us wrong, where, well, you know, the way they see it is to get thrown. So it's an interesting point because Ho-Yang's trying to determine just what exactly, uh, how is it that she perceived it, and Ahsoka like immediately shuts it down and Gwets goes, "Oh no, no, let's go back and uh, tell me one of those stories like you used to tell us at the temple, you know, when we are little kids. And that makes me wonder if maybe she's thinking, did Sabine betray them? Is Sabine turned? Is she worried about, I mean, having experienced what she just experienced in the last episode, you know, and how she has got to come to terms with Anakin's fall. Is she now worried about Sabine maybe having gone that same path?
0: Well, Hu Yang kind of, I thought he kind of confirmed what I said a couple episodes ago where, you know, it's it, it, Sabine's uh, choice was not the one that Ahsoka would have made. That doesn't mean it is the right choice or the wrong choice. And he was, it was, he said maybe it was the only choice. And so, you know, Ahsoka is putting uh, presumptions into and assumptions into what, you know, why Sabine did what she did when it could be, you know, that it was like you said a couple episodes ago, Fredo, it's like, I, I can either go with him and play a longer game, or I can destroy this and he'll kill me, and they'll still get to where they need to go. And so, yeah, that's...
2: uh... It's an interesting point that Huyang brings to to Ahsoka about the reality uh, Sabine sees it. this may be the only choice that she's given. A lot of times in, in a lot of our stories and in real life, we like to think that people can see all the alternatives, but when you consider who Sabine is all the sacrifices she's had to make, the hope that Ezra means in her life, finding Ezra, uh, you get to a point, you go, well, what other choice could she really have made at this moment? Like, it, It's unfair to say, sacrifice the last bit of hope for the good of the galaxy. Some people would do that. She didn't.
0: Dave, what'd you think of Hu Yang and Ahsoka telling stories? What struck What struck you in that moment?
1: Um, I really enjoyed, uh, some of the visuals that we got the, uh, warp, uh, the, uh hyperspace look different was than different, anything else, yeah. quite different from inside the whales perspective. Um, I liked that a lot. I liked just the anticipation. I'm
0: going to pause you for a second. And on this podcast, we will not refer to them as whales, as space whales. They are Purgle. <laughs> this is a nerd podcast. And it is uh, Aaron's on his rant right now. Get off my lawn time. It's driving me crazy that we're calling these things space whales in-universe. When, I mean, they never... They're not whales. They're not whales. Whales don't have those tails. That's what they're calling them in the show and it's driving me crazy. It's just... It's a pergola. My kids
1: call them space whales, just like they
0: called the the dog that
1: she was riding later in the episode a Rugaroo. So, you know, like for me, it's just entertainment. I'm I'm not having a good time. Anyway, but um, I'm off my rant. Uh, yeah, but I, the anticipation of it was what struck me because you're sitting here and you're watching them like have a nice little quiet moment, which can build its own tension and can be you know, really interest intriguing in its own right. But I found myself, my mind wandering forward. What are they going into? Where are we going? What are we going to see that we've never seen before? You know, like these kinds of questions. Um, and we didn't really get the payoff of things we've never seen before. Um, it was maybe things we may not have expected. Um well, but, you know,
0: Britt said that the uh the crab people said, oh well, they got Ewoks here too. I mean, you know, it was they were like Ewoks mixed
1: Jawas, with with yeah. um um I was thinking like uh, Bilbo Baggins, you know, like for you Hobbit. know, it's, yeah, I got some Hobbit uh, vibes off of those guys
0: because the way they were dressed too, yeah. right?
1: They like they had the little you know, uh,
0: you, know you know the thing I later Hosen <laughs> the thing I dug about um, them, you know, like. Hu yang talking about you know all the stories he has stored in his you know database and then you know Balin talked about a couple episodes ago talked about you know Pria being a fairy tale and stuff like this remember back in Rebels when Ahsoka said there's always some truth in legends and man if not, if this is, hasn't paid off i mean i don't i think i think at that time Filoni was being a little tongue-in-cheek because hey we're bringing some legends characters into you know into the canon you know so that's why that line was there that's the way people interpreted it but now in a different context it's like you know all those stories that Hu yang told that all the kids just thought were bedtime fairy tales it's like that's an actual thing so um
2: well and i love the fact that. Pauloni told us in interviews, where's Estra? Far, far away. What's the name of this episode? Far, far away.
0: Yeah, Like,
1: the guy knew what he was doing. The thing, too, about that, I've seen people take that, like, very literally, wherein Huang starts telling that story, and they're like, oh, since he used that exact phrase, that means, you know, he's the keeper of the wills or whatever, or has told every story that we have ever watched. Um, And it's just like, well, no. Maybe that's the storytelling format, you know, Um, and he's using it and that's, that's w- what is done. You know, that doesn't mean that he tells us all of the stories all of the time. So um, that, that was another like, you know, internet discussion that I was like, okay, let's just tap the brakes on that.
0: I mean, you know, maybe, but you know, it's, that is, yeah, it, it, it's not too far fetched, but it's, you know, again, it's, yeah, it's like why are you concerned about that? Because there's a lot of and okay, um there's I want to pause for a second here and I'm, I'm we're not going to give you the litany of these things, but there are a lot of characters that were introduced that you need to go and read the credits and find out what those character names are and then find out what they relate to in other literature, the three night sisters that we run into their, their names are similar spellings, almost exact same pronunciations of the Muses, um, the uh, the Captain Enoch. Names are, that's what Britt and I were talking about, and she said, names are not accidental. Seems like it in Star Wars most of the time, but these, when, once you figure out what those names represent in other historical aspects or other literature it adds so much to this episode i'll just pause and say that um there's a there was a lot of thought put into this um so so dave i think was it you that wrote this one in our notes what is this Mm -hmm. story so we got done trading stories what is what is this story
1: yeah and I was really struck by this idea of trying to reconcile where I'd seen this before um because like ultimately, I think this is this story is one that we have seen before, which is that a um people who are adversarial in nature, you know, on different sides of whatever conflict that might exist are suddenly stranded together um and the tension that arises from that how do we get ourselves out of this uh how do we not work together how do we work together um how does all of that unfold and play out and uh, there's a lot of interesting examples that i was able to come up with but i wanted to throw that into the notes and see if you guys could
0: come up with any i mean a couple yeah well first of all just in rebels when zeb and uh callus are trapped on the geonosis moon um another one is enemy mine from the eighties. Um you know, that was another yeah, shipwreck, and you know, have to reconcile things and get together. Um
2: well it's interesting in this regard is that the you know, you would have thought, okay, maybe Balin is going to honor his agreement. And the way that he did, he does, and Thrawn agrees to but then the the quick turnaround to Okay, go hunt her down and kill her, because she'll take you to an and you can kill him too. So they're, they're clearly not on the same page, and you get a sense that, again, every one of these characters has their own agenda. And what they know what their agenda is, we don't know yet, for some of them. I mean, we know what Sabine says. We know what uh, Ahsoka says. But we don't know what Thrawn's agenda is. We do not know what Balan's agenda is, because it seems to have shifted. And uh we may not even know what Morgan's is at this point. It's interesting. Or the Night Sisters, for that matter. But it creates a dynamic where they're all stuck together. They all need one another to get out of there. Cause it seems like wherever, whichever way they're gonna get back to our the Star Wars galaxy from Perry Peridia, it's a one way ticket. You're either on that ship whenever it makes a trip back or you're just stuck for good.
1: Is isn't it the, the whales are a one way ticket, we think.
0: Well that's, right? uh, that's exactly what I was just gonna I'm sorry. They,
1: but, they go there to die, essentially. That they revealed exactly. that early so, in the episode.
0: And so yeah, so I mean I'm I'm kinda jumping a couple bullets here because yeah. we we um as as you put that down, it's getting me thinking here. It's like we're we're assuming just because Morgan Elsbeth said this is the ancestral home of the night sisters. And so they made their way to this other galaxy and you know, and so, yeah, and then they, then they get wiped out by grooves. But then Dave, you brought up the good point. It's like, we find out when we get to Peridia that it is the, um, Purgle graveyard. That's where it's like the elephants going to their, you know, ancestral grave site and they, that's where they die. So, what I mean, why maybe it is these whoever the Night Sisters are on um Peridia, maybe they were put in Wales and sent off and banished. It seems like this is a this is a um a planet for banishment. I mean, when we, when we talk about Thrawn, it's going to be easy to link this to Napoleon, you know, um, but maybe. So, yeah, you get to Prydia. there's no way you're getting back. And so are these night sisters like, okay, we've made a connection through the forest with you know a surviving night sister that's going to be able to come help us get back to the other galaxy? So I think there's we're not being told the full story here
1: it it adds a lot more tension and drama to the proceedings if you think at the outset that they there's one way back, there's one ticket. Um, and it's his ship. Thrawn seems convinced of that. Um, the the you know we got the nugget about the Purgle at the very beginning. Um, they're they're leading us down that direction, and, and it's smart because again, like it creates tension. Well, shoot, they are, are going to have to hitch a ride back, um, which means they're going to have to find a way to coexist with them on some level. Um, we think, but um. You know, briefly, a few other examples that I thought of. um, You know, our Gilligan's Eye Island, uh, but in sci-fi sort of motif, which is um, Star Trek happened a couple of times. Star Trek Voyager, an entire series was based around this idea. Um, Wrath of Khan, they were sort of stranded together, and they had to fight their way out of that. Um, Stargate. You know, they got flung halfway across the universe and then they were stuck and they had to figure out how to get back. And, um, the, um, Transformers. Yeah. But it's swapped in that way. The Transformers came to earth and got stuck. So, um, those are the kinds of stories that I'm thinking about right now because they might inform where this, where this story may ultimately land. Um, Aaron, you said at the beginning of our episode here that, um, it, it seems inevitable that Thrawn will make his way back because he's going to become a threat to the galaxy again. Mm -hmm. That doesn't guarantee anything for
0: our heroes at all. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So like I said, before we talk about Thrawn specifically, um, because we're first, when we first get to pretty, we see the three night sisters. And then even before we see Thrawn, you know, like you said, Fredo, the the star destroyer comes in and then we see all these whacked out stormtroopers. And so, like I said, I was going to go in and put, um, some notes in our, you know, in our guiding doc here, but you all beat me to it. And it's like, so what, what are the night sisters up to? And what's with these stormtroopers? Um, and when I first watched it, um, first of all, I was struck by we have these three night sisters that all have these little floaty ball things. And let's remember in the opening episode when Ahsoka went into the Indiana Jones temple, it was three night sisters all carrying floaty ball things that were etched into the wall. That's why I think they've been in our known galaxy before um, and then the stormtroopers it was like, okay I, I would expect to see it they're wrapped in red and so I mean there's a lot of things and again I, I thought of this right away and then it was kind of confirmed with some other podcasts and and reaction things I watched there was a I, I think this is going to be similar to Maroc or Maroc whatever is it that these are all like um zombie stormtrooper like things and that is actually from a legends book they were called death troopers um but uh but yeah i think think this is where it's just going to be um zombie stormtroopers that are being kept alive by a uh, night sister magic
2: yeah no it's a uh yeah i mean first of all I, I cannot wait i'm pretty sure there's gonna be at least one or two of your founder first it's gonna go i need to do that to my armor this is so cool well, I, I don't want to
0: be that i'll let it. you know when i see it because it won't be too long i'm sure that somebody mm-hmm. will have a cl on it yeah um mm-hmm.
2: uh, but it makes sense from a storybook standpoint i mean from the very first moment we see the chimera we see that it's a damaged hatched up Star Destroyer. It's not looking good because it hasn't been. It's been what 20, 25 years. You know, I'm trying to remember. No, maybe not twenty years, but you know, it's been at least a decade. Almost, right, at least a decade since yeah. uh, since they got blasted halfway across the galaxy by the Pergal uh, at the end of Rebels. So, and you're led to believe that Veridia is a very hostile, dangerous planet. So it makes sense that all those stormtroopers and all those people that weren't a star destroyer alongside Thrawn and Ezra, maybe of them didn't make it. Maybe a few survivors are very battle hardened. And maybe I called it in our, in our uh, document, we called it like Lord of the Flies, very much survival of the fittest. And they're almost, I mean, because the vibe that those stormtroopers gave, particularly Enoch, is fanatical to Thrawn. Like they're, I mean, before, we see him. They are chanting his name, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then you, you know, if they think that he's the reason they're brought back from the dead, that would lead maybe to some fanaticism. So it creates a very interesting dynamic because we have these fanatical stormtroopers, this fanatical army, ready and willing to lay down for their guy, but it may not be their guy. Who's the guy who's bringing, bringing them back? It's maybe more Night Sisters and again. What happens when they're in conflict so it's it's a it's a very it's a very interesting visual it's a great touch by Dave Filoni and his writing team to say okay we're not just going to give you a stormtrooper army kind of like you expected when they left the galaxy there's been some stuff happened to them This so it leads to the idea that how the heck does somebody like Ezra survive on the planet's surface and he looks none the worse for wear
0: you know but again getting to the um what are what are they all up to it it, it seems like if they I, there there's there's a revenge element here that mm-hmm. that i mean that the night sisters have to be in on as well it can't just be Thron like because it's understandable why thrawn wants to you know go rough some crap up but the night sisters it's not like you know I don't know it I, I think I still I think they were banished, and I think it's time to you know, mess up this galaxy that you know demolished our, you know the rest of our clan. and you know, I, I'd say, yeah, I don't know dave, what do you what do you think they're all up to?
1: I think two lines are really informative. Uh, one where he says, I need to call on your black magic again mm-hmm. says again um which sort of lends a lot of credence to this idea that that some at least some of these stormtroopers may not still be alive technically um and the other thing was uh it, it seems like a throwaway uh sort of comment that you don't really think too much of it in real time but he's talking about transporting cargo mm. and pulling Indeed. it from the catacombs yeah
0: I, I, watch, I watched i watched uh, a, i watched a uh i think it was it was new rock stars they were talking yeah i think what you're alluding to he was what he was alluding to as well is that again it's dead bodies of night sisters and brothers and they're going to use the magic to reanimate them this is this is their this is their army you know, and, and, and this is in, this is from. I mean in Clone Wars they did this. The Knight Sisters did this. So and what
2: was and what was the effect? Remember in Clone Wars, what was the effect whenever we saw the night Sisters using their magic to either bring back, you know, resurrect so I speak, not quite resurrect, but uh heal Maul or to turn Savacho Press into the warrior became that the effect is one where they become even more violent. They become even more dangerous. They become threat. Like Savage becomes goes from a kind of your standard knight brother Taphomir kind of dynamic to this Hulk and Behemoth who can take on just about anyone. And Maul, I mean, well, we saw, you know, Maul, you combine everything that Maul was with what the Knights did to him, and he's a threat for another uh twenty years until he meets Obi-Wan once again.
0: So like I was saying earlier about everything in a name, I, I am going to read to you a little bit about, like I said, this captain Enoch who was the head storm with the weird gold face, like from, um, flash Gordon, uh, um, gladiator. That's and, what I thought gladiator, <laughs> but you know, from, uh, uh, from the Bible, uh, says by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him for, before his, uh, Translation. He had this testimony. Please, God. So basically, it was he's the undead. I mean, again, there's there's no that is another big clue, and that's why it's like I found that very interesting. When I start hearing these names, it's like that's I've heard those names before, and then yeah. So um,
1: but, he he has such a compelling visual with the with the golden face, I, and I, I thought like it, it was just so amazingly appropriate that Thrawn's lieutenant would, an extension of Thrawn himself would literally be wearing antiquities on his face. I mean, the entitlement of these people, you know, they, the world belongs to us. We can do with it what we want. Um, And it's, it's that sort of arrogance that comes shining through, through this, through this character who's like barely on screen has like two lines or whatever, but just the fact that they did that in terms of his character design, um, tells you so much that you, you might want to know about him and what what you might want to know about Thrawn. And
0: I, you know, to that point, Thrawn's entrance is exactly what you expected it to be. Now it's a good time to talk about, talk about Thrawn. We've mentioned him a gazillion times. Let's, uh, you know, I agree with you. The entrance was incredible. Um, and this is, I, I am the epitome of the Star Wars internet. Um, because it was here. I was before this show came out complaining that it's like, it's going to be weird to have Sabine and not have the voice that I heard in um, Star Wars rebels or to have Hera and not have that voice. And, when Thrawn came out and I heard the voice that I knew and to see it coming out of a actual human being, I was like, well, this is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, but then immediately it was awesome. You know, it was, but it was like, well, it was kind of weird, you know? So uh, like I said, we can't win. I can't win. Uh, yeah. But no, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was a great entrance. I was going to ask you Dave, because again, I was going to go in and have a bullet point about Thrawn because you're the one well, I'll ask both of you because, Fredo, you read the uh, – I know the uh, Timothy Zahn books, the old ones, the Art of the Empire stuff. Dave, you – I know you read the Thrawn Ascendancy stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's it's – first of all, how, I mean, did you dig Thrawn from Rebels? Because we're getting the same Thrawn. It's, it's the same guy doing the voice, and it's a blue guy with red eyes. Um, so, did you dig Thrawn in Rebels – and do you dig the live action uh, version that we're getting? Anything unsettling or is it like spot on?
2: No, I'm enjoying it. And uh, what I find interesting is, because obviously, look, thinking about him back from the Heir to the Empire novels, uh, he one of the things Dave Filoni did is he didn't really change much from that character to take him out of that, that Legends trilogy and put block and ride the Rebels. This character feels like the continuation of that Rebels character. Yes, it's not just the same actor voicing him, but it's like, it feels like it's Thrawn, the same Thrawn that we've come to know. Because what's interesting, Lars Mikkelsen's a great actor. So he knows, he studied how they animated him. Like from the moment that he's walking, he's walking with his hands around on his back, kind of like Thrawn did in uh, in Rebels. Uh, They're having him... uh, the way he stands before people, the way he, he enunciates, the way he's you know he's looking and checking everything else that, yeah, that's wrong, so to me it felt natural like it felt like okay, this is the same character just however many years afterwards and haven't gone through whatever he's gone through, but it's yeah, it feels like wrong, it's wrong,
1: yeah, yeah I um I'm with you like the the voice is. It goes from like you said, Aaron, a moment of to oh, this is extremely pretty, and I needed this voice here, yes, yes, I, this is good, um because uh he does such a good job of conveying this ruthless iciness, um the ultimate tactician, um there's there's a huge backstory between. Him and Anakin in the Ascendancy novels, they interact a lot, and so for him to by spoiler alert by the end of this episode, he wants intel on Ahsoka, he's going to be interested to learn. He's like, I want to know who her master was. Well, <laughs> I thought that is... was a very telling line. He, if he doesn't know. He's going to be very interested when he finds out who it was,
0: and it's obvious that he's frightened of ahsoka because everything else is like, yeah, we're gonna give Sabine her guns and her armor and the lightsaber, and you go find the Jedi who you know banished me here, go for it. It's all good, but the minute that we find out that ahsoka is coming, it's if a Purgle comes into are you know into the system you just blow it out of the sky there's not the let's let him get here and let's figure out what we how you know it's one it want him dead so he's frightened by um just from that choice he's frightened by ahsoka since i mean she's a wild card
2: The way Thrawn has always been portrayed is he is the kind of character who considers the best course of action based on all the elements that he knows. And what's interesting is every time that he's been portrayed is it's usually the thing he cannot predict is the thing that catches him. And wrecks. like, take rebels. He could predict what the rebels were going to do. He could set traps for them, but he could never predict when somebody would do something dumb like blow up his whole fuel reserves yeah. or when someone's gonna call Purgle out of nowhere to come wreck his uh, fleet and take him away. So it's always interesting that it's those is that one element that he can never see coming that catches him and derails him. So this is an acknowledgement, I think in a way of his character, of having grown, of saying, Okay, here comes something that I have not considered. A completely new Jedi. I don't know anything about Give me all that information. I need. To, I need to assess and see how this is going to affect our plans. Well, makes sense. That's him.
0: Dave, you said in the Ascendancy novels, they said that he, um, that Anakin and Thrawn interacted um, a, a bit, lot. Yeah. So it's reasonable then for Thrawn to know that Ahsoka Tano was Anakin's Padawan.
1: His interactions with Anakin came prior to. Um, him taking on a padawan, or at least um, okay. he didn't have her along with him at any point, and and then it leaps forward in okay. time. And then he's interacting with Darth Vader. Okay, cool. And it's very much let on that he knows that they're the same person, and he's one of the few people who does. Um, but Anakin never tells him that, and and never acknowledges as much. Um, and he is left to well, but, piece that together.
0: But Thrawn strikes me as, I mean, from the stuff I've seen, it, he strikes me as being, the, if he would have done his homework and probably would have had somebody, you know, tailing or keeping an eye on who, cause who Anakin Skywalker is and what happened to, him and what, you know, just so he would have something in his almost mob, like, you know, we got to have something to, as leverage.
1: Um, I think I think that line is more for the benefit of uh new newer audience members um yeah. who who are, are just like what's this guy all about? Oh, he he does his research. Cool. Um but for people who've been around for a minute or have read those books it's it's like <laughs> he's going to figure out who who her master was and he's going to try to leverage that. Um
0: so um Let's talk about Balin and Shin for a little bit. Balin, because again, when I was going to come into the notes, I was going to put in Balin. What's his deal? I'm, we're, I'm just still trying to figure out what his lo- what his long game is, because he he's talked about power like you would never, you know you've never uh, you know power beyond all imagination he talked about um it's uh, what what do you you guys think he's up to
1: one of the things he said that is that he was called there and he, he even asked shin at one point can you hear it um is he being misled um I think there's a strong possibility of that because this world is basically cursed. I think a lot of people are like what this place is. This no, Even the night sisters don't want to be here. Right. You know? So it's like, if they don't want to be here, this place sucks. Let's all get out of here. Um, and, uh, and yet he's like getting pulled into it, you know, like a moth to the flame. Uh, I think he's a vessel or a tool. Um, Ultimately, for a greater power that he doesn't understand yet, and I think he may meet an unfortunate end as a result of that. Um, that's my gut reaction, kind of like, to where like we're Elsa
0: at. reaching for the holy grail,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, and like those Indiana Jones uh motifs are strong, um, in this material, and we we love to see it, right? I uh, um,
0: I think it's also interesting when he when he and Shin were talking because then I think it was like who's this Ezra Bridger you know guy and um, he, was, he said it was a Bokan Jedi that um, you know raised in the wild trained in the wild and Shin's reaction was like me and he's like no I raised you to be more you know I trained you to be more but I, I, I mean Shin doesn't know what Balin is up to she's trying to figure it out and I think she's going to have kind of the reverse. I, this is my this is my looking into the future, my crystal ball. I think she's going to be the reverse Anakin situation. You know where she's going to slice off Balin's arm. <laughs> you know, and send him flying out a window. So so that some so Ezra can send him flying out a window or something like you know, I think she's going to make a turn to the good because she's not tr she doesn't trust the witches. She's, you know she she doesn't I think think she's gonna figure out that her, her master is not, you know, all that great of a dude. Um he's he's very snooty, he's very greedy. Um it's interesting that we're not calling him Sith because those would seem to be very Sith-like, you know. What What did the Night
2: Sisters say of him? And as as well as uh, Sabine, it, it
0: was only to Sabine that was the interesting There's thing. Like- I think he's he's closing himself off. I think he was smart mm-hmm. enough to say, you know, let's block everything to say I'm a Jedi because they looked at Sabine and said it's it smells like a Jedi. Mm-hmm. But then my thought is like maybe they're off a little bit here and they're sniffing something Mm
1: -hmm. they might be sniffing it off of Shin Um, there's one one other thing that supports this theory too that she might sort of turn to the light she's so curious about the Jedi and his time with the Jedi Order I mean it's a fascinating fascinating. it is a fascinating story right oh the Jedi Temple was burned to the ground and all the Jedi were killed like what but she's really into these this his background and the idea of the Jedi.
0: And again, names matter. Balin and Shin, their names are based off of um it's a Norse mythology, right? Of of mm-hmm. wolves that one chased the moon and one chased the sun.
2: Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is is at first when he started saying about the can you hear it? Two things popped in my head. One's like, wait, this is an Exegol, is it? (laughs) Because maybe he was here in the spirit of Palpatine. But no, but what I really thought of was I connected back to the Bendu, you know, being found on Chopper Base. The idea of an entity or a presence strong in the force that you may not want to meet or you may want to meet depending on who you are existing somewhere. Now, we've always been led to believe that even in places where, like Dagobah or whatever, wherever there's been a strong pull by the light or a strong pull by the dark, you get to see certain cycles kind of happening. You know, you know, some in the in the case of like you know, uh, like Mustafar or wherever, you know, the, you know that the scar of the, di- the that the dark side leaves on a place lingers. Well- and this much death would leave a lot of lingering darks out
0: there. And I'm sorry, i uh, you're having real time realization. It's like I watched a reaction video one time of this guy watching mm-hmm. uh, raging some Mach- listening to Rage Against a Machine, um, killing in the name, and it was like mm-hmm. halfway through, all of a sudden his eyes just go, "Why?" Goes he stops. He goes, "This is about white supremacy." <laughs> it's like, and uh, so I just had this realization: the fact that the three night sisters, well, the one said, "It smells like Jedi." if this is a place outside of the galaxy where jedi are they've been in that galaxy where the so they know about jedi if they've always been on this planet where no jedi have been you know um yeah so okay so just realization in real time
2: mm-hmm. um, No, but it, it, it creates a whole new set of questions because were they survivors of the Death Amir massacre? Were they emissaries of some kind of way? Were they outcasts? Again, there's a whole of answers we do not have about these characters, which makes the question interesting: of why the heck there's such such a hurry to get out of get off this place? It just hey, we finally can get off the 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 island of Elba that we've been stranded on for so many years, or is there something more happening?
0: Um so Shin and uh and Balin are they, well first of all Sabine is allowed to go try to find Ezra. they gave her Intel on where she can go look. Um, she's given this dog thing to ride. Um, and I, I do want to pause for a second because well she gets ambushed by like a just random villains local, local bandits yeah. Right, yeah she gets ambushed and the dog like you know, turns turns tail and books out of there and then she has a very interesting interaction with the dog and she's yelling at it saying you abandoned me i should have known you were a coward she ain't talking to the dog there she's talk. she's venting about ahsoka Mm
2: -hmm.
0: at this point so we are not done with that conflict that that was what that hit me right with a ton of bricks i was like She's she's barking at Ahsoka at that point,
2: right? And agree. I mean, it's a uh, when you consider the journey that Sabine's kind of on. You know, she's got Hera, but Hera's got her son, and she's got her republic that she's uh, devoted to. And Seb is gone with his people and Callus, you know, to um, their new planet. And Ezra's disappeared, and and is dead. So, who does she have at this point? It's there is a sense of abandonment to Sabine, where maybe she latched onto the idea that Ahsoka would be the person that would be her, you know, her new family, so to speak, her master, training her yeah. and kind of guiding her. And then, Ahsoka left her. Said, "Nope, can't teach you. Bye."
0: I just, so I just that thought that would be a lot of that resentment. I just really dug that scene. I mean, it was like
2: yeah, it, it was it, cutely done too. Like they they find a way to make it cute and and enjoyable.
0: But you know, yeah, and we 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 meet the crab people, the little hermit crab people, turtles. I don't know, looks like mixture of turtles children. and hobbits and whatever. Uh, and what was very interesting was that it was it, it was like, oh hey, you got that symbol on your shoulder pauldron that we wear here, and it was like so it was. I, it was just kind of a quick way to get us to now she can go find Ezra because there's that connection. Um, but let's talk about that when she finally sees Ezra um, because he's like apparently the king of the little people. I don't know, but he's <laughs> he's, he's 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 camped out with him. Um, he's doing the same thing uh, Luke was doing in Last the, Jedi. The, the the voice was so good. The demeanor was so good. I do, I was not. I was. That was one of the things I was kind of worried about, you know, what to expect. And even though that, again, it just, they nailed the, they nailed that that's Ezra. It was, it was, what'd you guys think?
1: You know, one of the things that I I had to point out here is something that my wife pointed out, like before I had a chance to, um, she like just nailed it, which is that you get to see the production of Thrawn and the perfect introduction of Ezra. You have the structure versus nature.
0: Yeah. Technology Uh, versus yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Pompous versus humble. Mm -hmm. Um, This idea of control and power versus peace. Um, The idea that he like communes with nature, you know, as opposed to again, like the technology stuff, Um, you know, it's, it's pitch perfect. Um, As you said, the acting is right where it needs to be. It's an emotional moment too for to see them come together. Um, They're trading barbs right away, uh, which feels authentic. Uh, You know, like, I I thought they handled it wonderfully. I you know, my my only question um, is, is there are there sparks? or, or they're supposed to be sparks or I eventually going I, to
0: be, I interpreted, it looked like it looked like the hug that you give your best friend. Yeah. Or like your brother or your sister that, I mean that, that it did. That's what struck me with that. So I know I'm, you know anti i mean anti-shipping yes i'm anti-shipping <laughs> but let, let's be honest i'm it's all I'm, real, rocking, no shipping. I'm really sorry but i mean i mean with the exception of maybe i mean with the exception of anakin and padme i mean star wars is not about it's it's not a love story you know um it's about family You know, yeah, Luke and Leia, or I'm sorry, Han and Leia. I mean, that was kind of like, (laughs) well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Han and Leia, that was kind of a, uh, I mean, kind of thrown in almost. Um, It made sense from, you know, like an archetypal, you know, storytelling thing, just a trope. But this one here, it seemed like, imagine, I mean, Dave, let's imagine if you hadn't seen Kate was lost for 10 years. And, you know, in the first time that you see her, you know, that it's not going to, it's not going to be just a embrace of, you know, that type of hug. Yes, that's going to be part of it. But, you know, I don't know. It, it seemed uh, to me, it seemed like it was siblings, best friends reunited.
2: I didn't get the vibe that this was a romantic reunion. I got the vibe that this is more. Two people who have been searching or have been lost from one another reconnecting. Like in many ways, this is the the culmination of Sabine's decade-long quest. Yeah, well, this isn't a moment to be romantic. This is a moment of of triumph. Of I have achieved the thing I set out to do. And Ezra, and from Ezra's point of view, this is I knew I put my faith in her, and hey. Here she is. It's like, she's come through for me. This wasn't a moment of sparks flying and romance flying. This is can't a, look at, oh my can't, god! I can't believe this
0: worked. And you can't look at this moment in the box, in in a mm-hmm. box. I mean, look at. I mean, now at the beginning of Rebels, yeah, Ezra like saw Sabine and was like, dang, you know, and, Yeah, and and then it became like, okay, that that ain't where this is gonna go. And when when then when she was training with the dark saber, he was being that. You know, pain annoying brother. brother that that know it all, you know. Um, so I, I don't it, know,
1: but. I get the vibe from the last couple of episodes of Rebels that there's potential, not that there, where there wasn't any before, where she was like, Here, you're, you're an annoying little pest for you know the first three and a half seasons, but by the end of four, she's like. I'm really fond of you. And again, like you can interpret that as as being the possibility of romantic interest. I wanted to throw that out there just because like, if you're fresh to this material, you may not have all of that context. Um, But also, yeah, clearly what we got on screen, this was just relief more than anything else.
2: And Dave, to your point, do you think that maybe this show should have done a better job of detailing how long ago of a search this has been for Sabine. Just simply to say, look, yep. this, isn't, this isn't last year that this happened or two years ago. This has been a process, That's this has been point. a journey for her because this is such a big moment for her. I mean, she's established that this is the last bit of her family that she could rescue, that she could bring back and boom, here he is. All the sacrifices, all the compromises, she's achieved it. So that moment of triumph has to feel kind of feel like, oh my God! I just this this was a one month or a one week kind of separation. This was a big moment.
1: For well, her. and I'd say yes and no. Like yes and no. They could have done a better job of maybe like letting us know like that this has this has special meaning for her, like above and beyond what you might just think based on what we've seen yes, like there's almost a desperation here, which she really needs this. She needs a win. Um, But also, no, because I go back to what Aaron said, um, which is that he's, you get that I've been abandoned. Like we get, we're getting head over the head with that. She's been abandoned. She doesn't have anybody. Um, She, she does sort of just feel like, you know, Ahsoka is going to do it again. Uh, the, the wolf some... dog Ruguru is going to leave her again. <laughs> you know, it's just like, we get it, you know. So,
0: I don't know. There might be some projection little in little that as well. There might be some projection in that as well. And that because there might be some guilt that she basically abandoned, you know, her family just to stand guard in Lothal, you know. And mm-hmm. so, and she's going to be coming up. Uh, I mean... We're, we got conflict coming um, in the next episode because yeah. the last thing Ezra said basically was, I can't wait to go home. And she, you know, she drove, <laughs> she drove all the way from California to New York in a 72, you know, Chevette that broke down and fell into pieces. You know, they don't, they don't have a ride back. She doesn't have a plan. So when he was saying, I'm counting on you, it's I'm counting on you to come find me and bring me home. And, you're right, Dave. She needed a win. She ain't got a win. She mm-hmm. she, she tried to make it into a win of okay, you know, I won the first quarter, you know, but the rest of the game ain't looking so hot. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And the thing that worries me again with all of these Disney Plus series, and everything, it's like, God, we only got two episodes to to get to the climax and the resolution. And so I, it's, I wish they would have gotten here just a little bit sooner, but again, knowing that we got a little bit more coming. Um, so Brit sent me a reel as she does, you know, like as we're sitting in the living room, five feet from each other and we're sending each other Instagram reels as ones do. Um, she pointed out one that that was kind of interesting and I, I don't know what the, um, where mando season three and this ahsoka show are they running concurrently did one happen after the other what's going on but there was a neat little meme that somebody put together it's like is it possible that grogu in season three when they're flying through hyperspace and he saw the purgle was he sensing ahsoka yeah I mean, it kind of gets into your mm-hmm. is who Yang the you know now the narrator of all the Star Wars. It, I mean, again, it's it's one of those interesting things. I said, well, that's an interesting thought. I said, but I think it's more so that I mean, the are basically using the Force to travel through hyperspace, and Grogu is, it's showing his you know powers of the Force to sense these things, much like Ezra. But it's that was kind of an interesting thing to. You know, and I think it was more of just Filoni putting we gotta put Purgle in here so we don't freak the crap out of people when we have Ahsoka. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's just kind of a kind of a fun thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But do we know when yeah. this happened? I mean, did this happen at that's is it clear if this was after Mando season three or at the mm-hmm. same time or because there's the other thing, we still haven't seen Zeb. That's another interesting thing. And it uh, makes me
2: wonder if we are going to see him at all. Uh, or maybe, you know, because we kept thinking we're not going to see Tron till the very last episode. We're not going to see Ezra till the very last episode. But two episodes no, to go, and we got full on there here. So it makes me wonder if maybe Seb is going to be the the one that everybody's going to bump into at the season finale. So because it costs a lot of money to animate uh, uh, for like that. So who knows?
0: Before we wrap this up, this might be, we're going to have to have a discussion on this um, after the Ahsoka series. Because I'm finding myself saying, thank God this wasn't a movie. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the story might get shortchanged. There's so much for us to dig into. and, And I'm glad that it's eight episodes of, and it's been longer than 32 minutes. Thank you. You know, it's, it's been good time spending in this. I mean, is it, is it better for these to be, and we all like going to the movie. We all like the crawl. We all like the fanfare and everything like that. But is it, and like I said, maybe this is rhetorical for right now, but you guys can comment if you want. Is it better that this was a Disney plus series rather than something you would go to the AMC and watch?
1: I'd, I'd say so, given what we, what we've received, um, we've talked about the budget and the care and the attention to detail that, that, that has been obvious from the get go in this series. And, and if they had done it, if they had shortchanged any of those elements, I might have a different answer. Um, but they didn't, this is high quality stuff. Um, so for me, I, 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 I'm with you. I appreciate what we've gotten. Uh, I look forward to watching every week and discussing. This is, I will say this too. Like there are times where with the Star Wars series, I can't watch them right or, right away. But I feel okay if I wait a few days. With with Ahsoka, it's like no, I I, I got to watch it at eight p.m. on Tuesday. Like I got to watch it right away. Um, and I think like that speaks to how I'm reacting to this series it's 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 been really good for me
2: yeah I mean overall I think I've enjoyed enjoying this as a series and you know it's it's the different story writings uh because when you write for a movie you have to have the entire story beginning middle and all kind of condensed and it's all gotta kind of flow in a certain way and we've kind of seen what happens when so you try to sort of change that with stuff like skywalkers and so speak um I love the moment because this is allowing us to breathe. The other thing is that we kind of have to acknowledge is us as Star Wars fans know these characters, but there's a lot of people who are coming to these for the very first time. So the opportunity to sit with them, to uh, get to know them, to get to know their idiosyncrasies, it's a lot easier to do it on on a TV uh, length of time, on a TV series length of time, because it allows you to breathe, to get to know them and to know kind of what makes them tick. Whereas in a movie, you're only going to get the snapshot of wherever the, it's going to be. You know? And you're allowed to make TV shows more about the characters than the story. Whereas I think in the movie, you, your story has to propel everything. And so that creates a different dynamic, which it will be interesting to see whenever Dave Filoni has to bring all this together into a movie, because he's not going to get 10 hours to reintroduce Mando, I mean, or you know, and or Boba Fett or Soka. People have to kind of have done the summer reading at that point in order yeah. to go see that movie. But I think they will. I mean, the, sh- the shows are connecting with people in a certain way.
0: So we know, oh. just real quick, uh, part one was 56 minutes, part two was 44 minutes, part three was 36, part four was 40, part five was 51, and part six was 48. I think they've listened to, mm-hmm. you know, the critiques of the earlier Mandalorian. The Fett, Yeah, that it was... Yeah, take your time you know we'll watch longer well, episodes. and
2: that's and that kind of goes to the point i wanted to bring up about how i'm enjoying this show even though it's completely different from mando or from and or but i think yeah, it's interesting i don't know that you could do stuff like that scene with the howler where sabine is just upset with the with the big giant wolf scary wolf dog that's just acting like a lost puppy not wanting to leave its master or having like the crab people like I don't know if that would have worked in Andor. And I love that. I love that this still has that kind of whimsical element that Star Wars has, that a lot of fans, a lot of people seem to want to get rid of. They just want to rip that out. No, no, this has to be tough and dark and menacing. No, it can be whimsical and silly and sometimes funny and sometimes sad. And uh, I love the fact that we get these different shows that are able to explore these different aspects because... Whereas, may say something like Andor hits you at a different level than Dip is hitting you, they're both hitting well. They're both doing their stories very good service. They're both knocking it out of the park. They both feel like Star Wars, even though I don't necessarily know that I want Tony Gilroy and definitely Lone to do an Andor, even though I'm sure they both could do it. They're different stories, but they both work and they work well. And I think that should be a feather in the cap of all the people who are doing it because it's real easy to start telling different stories where all of a sudden nothing feels like
1: it's connected.
0: Dave, final thoughts?
1: Mm, it's, um. yeah, it's a different series, um, but uh, to its credit, to its benefit, I, uh, I, I like the length of these episodes. I'm with you, Aaron. I think that's a credit to Filoni that he's able to pull that off. Because uh, Rebels... Rebels episodes were short, short. Yeah. <laughs> Those things blow by. Um, and then Mando was somewhere in the middle, um, typically. But again, like it would vary from week to week and depending on the adventure he would get into. But again, like with that kind of story, you get it. Um, this is more of a, you know, the the... the, the, the the way that it's divided up makes more sense. It's been divided up more evenly because like you, the expectation is that you're getting a certain part of this story each week that is strong. That is the kind of um, a, a major part of the whole. Um, and I think like, it's cool that they call them parts of, uh, maybe that's just a style change that doesn't mean anything. Uh, we used to get episodes, and um, what did we get in uh, uh Mando? I don't even remember. It wasn't, I don't think it was episodes though. It was Something always one of those parts as well. Chapters, chapters, yeah, chapters, chapters. Chapters, chapters, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now we're getting parts. Um, but again, like I think that that maybe it's just a style change but maybe it's meant to denote that this is like a little bit meatier um mm. it's not just you know 30 minutes and you're out we're gonna we're gonna sit here and sort of bask in things a little bit and that's what i want <laughs> uh if it's good um if it's good, if it's not good then you're like god when all this end i need to get out of here um but it's been good so
0: well, all right well that was a Fun discussion. Like I said, there was not a lot of action in this uh, episode, but there was tons to talk about, tons to to digest. Um, like I said, I encourage you all to, you know, like I said, the names um, alone. But then also I think you're finding, go, go watch some of those Night Sisters uh, Clone Wars arcs, and I think you'll have a deeper appreciation for what's going on and probably what's to come. Um, but until then, what would the Saints have? Uh, who we got this? We got Green Bay. Green Bay. So, um, let's uh, knock on wood, and but you know, three and zero, three and oh You know, uh, yeah. So I, I I've always said that if I was offered, um, NFC Championship tickets, Saints versus Green Bay, in Lambeau, I would not take those tickets. That's why God created TV. It is, would be t- <laughs> too cold to watch that football game. Definitely cold. But we will say hoot-at. And uh, everybody have a great week. Maconkey.